You're listening to League Podcasts. Special episode, our interview with Terry Moore. Eisner Award winner, Rubin Award winner, Harvey Award winner, twice, and GLAD Award winner, and creator of Strangers in Paradise, Rachel Rising, Echo, and... Motor Girl. Motor Girl, What are the other books he has Parker going Girls. on? Um, there was one that was a new thing that I... It's like a graphic novel, maybe? Yeah, he had something called Ever, which was like a Ever. self-contained, yeah, one-shot okay. graphic novel. He's done how to draw books, which are kind of... They're how to draw, but they're kind of more like almost inspirational. It's not technical. It's like this is how right. you get into their frame of mind to draw yeah. women. If you already know how to draw and, you know, you want... Right. To, you're right. You're, it's like the psychology of how to draw yeah. beautiful is one of them, right? Yeah. Is that, yeah, how yeah. to draw beautiful, how to draw funny... How to draw women? It's it's not like this is you know take the pen and do this. And he's currently working on Parker Girls, which is a spinoff of Strangers in Paradise. And kind of like spy has, espionage, yeah, kind of thing. It's yeah, sort of like red room stuff. Very interesting. He'll talk a lot about it. And he talks about his Kickstarter, which he is very excited slash nervous about for his art book called After Dark. And that's coming February 1st to Kickstarter. So that's Wednesday. Wednesday, February 1st. Wednesday, as we record this. On his social media and stuff. That's when we're going to reveal all the tears and whatnot is Wednesday, February 1st. You can do a thing on Kickstarter where you can start to follow the project even before it launches. So I highly recommend you do that. that. You go go over to Kickstarter right now, if it's before the first, but it might not be, but depending on when we get this out, but February 1st, it's going to run definitely in the show notes, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. It's going to run all through February. So please. And plus a couple extra days, uh, because February is a short month. Yeah. And help Terry out. He's, this is his first Kickstarter. But even if you're not in the frame of mind or financially able to donate, you should listen to this interview because it's so interesting. If you have any love of comics or just stories about women or just stories in general, he talks about where he gets his inspiration. He talks about like how he came up with certain ideas. It's really fun. It's, he's one of my favorite people. His comics he's, are great. He's your. He is definitively your guy when i think of terry moore i think of you and i fondly remember us visiting his table more than one time and he's always so gracious and cool and he's always he was so gracious and cool when we talked to him today for the podcast so for the exclusive podcast he's not really doing many interviews so if you're here because you are a fan of terry's and you want to subscribe to our podcast please do uh we were just really happy (laughs) to talk to him and he and it's uh uh, really, he's a living legend as far as creators are concerned and creators' rights and holding on to your shit. You you need to own your shit. Uh, yeah. We don't really talk about it that much, but uh, this is a prime example of holding on to your rights and self-publishing. And now he's this is a new kind of self-publishing for him. It um, is. His first true. Kickstarter. His first Kickstarter. It's true. Like he, he talks about he did some work for Marvel and DC and then he went right back to doing his own stuff because that's what he really loves to do and yeah you gotta give and, and props for that he's not like one of those um creators that's like 
yeah, I'll never do that again. He's just like, you know, if the price is right, they offer him a short run on a on a book, you know. Right. Uh, he's he's open to it, but he's just he's not a mainstream comic guy and not and to ultimately own your stuff, make your own money, it's the way right. to go. It's the American dream. The American comic dream, this guy. People it's should true. talk about Terry Moore way more than they do. I honestly. I agree. He is when you think about it, he's been doing this for most of his adult life. I mean, he started Stranger Paradise in 93 and he's still going. He said he's barely taken it. He took a couple weeks off uh, basically after Stranger <laughs> Paradise <laughs> right, ended right, right. and then he got right back to it. So it's a great interview. Thanks, Clay, for coming on. Thanks, everybody. Don't forget, check us out everywhere where you get your podcasts. And um, here's Terry Moore. How long has this been going, your podcast? Uh, forever. Uh, like, <laughs> That's why I've heard of it. It's Well, this is the first time I'll, we've been on a long time. And I've always wanted to have you as a guest. And I, this seemed like the perfect time because now you're doing this Kickstarter. and, and Oh, yeah. Got so much stuff going on. <laughs> That's actually kind of where I wanted to. I was looking at, of course, I've been a fan for a long time. I wish you could say I go all the way back to the beginning. But I started to think, like, has this guy ever taken a break? Like, I mean, you, so you started Strains in Paradise in 93, yeah. right? Yeah. And then that went, okay, like a quick overview, three issues with Antarctic, which was your own imprint, 13 issues, volume two, and then start again, volume three, number one, and then you did 90, and then like other things like Molly and Pooh and all this, and, and and then you did Echo. You did some work for Marvel. You've done some work for DC. Has this, have you ever taken like a, a break? It's insane. <laughs> no, the closest I ever came was when I finished Strangers of Paradise after 13 years on it, on a four-week or six-week schedule. Um, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to take a year and do other things. Uh, so I, I took like a week off, and then... Robin said, well, we have bills to pay. <laughs> so I called Joe Casada at Marvel and said, I'm looking for projects. And he said, I'll, I'll call you back. And he called back that afternoon and gave me those two books that I wrote. Yeah. Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. Yeah. Right? And Runaways. Runaways. Right? Yeah. And then other stuff happened, you know, other people too. So I stayed busy the rest of the year working on other stuff. And... Um, I think I took like eight months to do that. Just work on other projects and other people. There's even some Buffy in there, I think. Right? Buffy was, I mean, yeah. I, I took, yeah. I mean, that's when I did a lot of miscellany. <laughs> and then I thought, you know, well, I, I need to do my own story. You know, it's just, that's just what I'm wired to do. So I went back and, and started up another series and it was Echo. And then I've been just doing that ever since. My own stuff ever since. It's it's incredible. I have to say, too, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure people are aware, but yeah, I mean, you've all of your series are sort of female protagonists, but they're all so different to me. Like Rachel Rising came after Echo. That's kind of horror. Like Echo is kind of sci fi sort of oriented. Obviously, Strange of Paradise is kind of this, like, like a lot of people call it like slice of life dramedy. It's kind of a love story, obviously. Uh, and like. It's it's crazy, like, they're so diverse, but there's kind of like a, the theme, like you said, the strong females and, and 
it's it's really incredible. I, people wonder how how a, a man, you know, can <laughs> like right. write women so well. It's that's always the the, the thing. When you talk about Terry Moore, how do you do it? You know, I am a weird recipe. <laughs> uh, what makes me up is weird. I I grew up with uh, a sister, just you know, a year and a half younger than me, and we were best friends all through life. So I had my sister. I was watching my sister's life and what she went through. Right, and I'm her I'm her best pal, and she tells me every every day. What went right, what went wrong? So I'm, I'm aware of it, right? So when I start dating, I start seeing girls the way my sister taught me to see girls. Like, you know, don't don't do any damage, don't hurt, <laughs> don't be a jerk. <laughs> you know, I'm seeing that stuff. And then I be a jerk and then I feel terrible for it. And then my sister talks me through it and all that. And my dad's working all the time and my mom's at home and I adore my mom because she's the one who's always there. So now I'm loyal to my my mom and my sister that I grew up with, and um, then I got married at 20, oh, and wow. we've been married. I've been married my whole life, so I see my wife go out every day and try and try again, and the good and the bad. So I'm just extremely aware. So on top of all this, I really like women. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I'm the kind of guy that when I watched movies, I fell in love with the actress every single right. time. And so I like romantic songs, you know, like um, everything Greg Allman ever did with the Allman Band, Allman Brothers Band and everything. My favorite song is the one love song that he wrote, which was <laughs> Queen of Hearts, you know. Mm. So right. that's just how I'm wired. I fell in love with every major actress and... So now when it was time for me to write a story, oh, there, I have to tell you one more fact. So I have to put that on the shelf. Okay. Now I'm woman-centric and I, I, have, I have the male gaze all the time and I feel guilty about it. <laughs> on the other side, I played sports in high school and because um, I was fast and we all played soccer and football and baseball and everything. And so I had a lot of time around guys and locker rooms and stuff like that. And, you know, there was always that one guy in high school who, who was the first one with the beard. <laughs> who was hairy and a, and a bear and all that. That guy grossed me out in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have that in my head. And when it's time for me to do comics, all I really care about is the girlfriend. I don't care about the guy that's dating the girl. I care about the girlfriend, you know. And what is it like when she leaves the guy's house and she goes home, talks to her best friend? You have my full attention. If now I'm going to follow the guy and watch him go to the bar and talk shit with his friend, you know, and say, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I know how that conversation goes. I don't care. Also, because of my locker room and sports and all that, I don't want to spend my whole life with a male character and having to draw that guy's body in his butt. <laughs> <laughs> and I have our little convention uh, panel rant about why I draw women. And it just I make a joke of it and say, if I had to choose between drawing Batman's butt the rest of my life or Kachu's butt, I would rather draw Kachu's butt. Mm, yeah. You know, to hell with Batman's butt. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's kind of how I just boiled it down. But it's it's a shortcut way to just to, to say um, that my heart is with what women go through on this planet. And yeah. Having watched it go from, you know, I was born in the 50s. So I've seen come and go free love. Uh, everybody's sleeping with everybody. And then the 80s when everybody's mad about it because they're, they're all getting jerked around. And then um, 90s where people realize, oh, what just happened to them last decade? And now we're now you're holding everybody accountable. You know, mm. little girls grow up, my friend, all that kind of stuff. And look you straight in the eye someday. That kind of stuff is was always on my mind. You know, it went from being a romantic to like um, these beautiful creatures walking this planet full of predators. What is their story? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, if people who don't know what Strangers in Paradise is about, it's sort of a love triangle with Francine, Kachu, and David. And uh, it was obviously a lot different, for, you know, in the comics world, but also you won a GLAD award in 2001 for best comic and obviously you won many awards <laughs> as well. But a GLAD award is, I mean, that's, I don't know if that were me, I'd feel pretty good about that one. Uh, that one, you know, I never thought about that side of life. Um, okay. Never worried about it, but I had a, a okay. first cousin that was exactly my age uh, named Ben and he was gay. And when the AIDS epidemic hit, uh, Ben moved from Arkansas out to San Francisco to be a baker, uh, a mm. dessert maker. I don't know what the term for that is. They make desserts at a chef that makes desserts. There's a term for it. Uh, he went to the school and then got jobs and all that. But then, unfortunately, like early 80s, he was one of the first AIDS victims. Oh. We lost him. Well, that hung with me for years. I mean, I felt so bad for him mm -hmm. about it, and it just wasn't fair. Um, that guy was finally happy and finally learning to accept himself and then, you know, have a life. And boom. So when I started the comic, uh, all this, I brought everything I could to the comic. Instead of thinking, I'm going to do one story, one idea, and do a genre, I was so afraid of not having any success at all that I just threw the kitchen sink at it. I threw every idea I had. So it was my female-centric story ideas and um, what's it like to be gay and female and all this stuff. And it's so weird because I'm a middle-aged straight white guy writing this story about people who are not me. But... Um, I'm writing it. I never say it's me. I always write it from I'm watching and this is what I see. This is what I've mm. seen the people I care about go through. And it, it gives you a slightly different take than if somebody is writing their own story in a way, you know, and the characters are their avatars. Mm. I have more of a journalistic point of view. I'm the, I'm the third guy in the room that is not a factor at all. But I'm the one who saw it, you know, and a lot of great movies are made with that, that, that observer uh, character that is just showing somebody else, you know, somebody is showing um, the, the couple story in Casablanca, you know, mm. it's not Rick telling it, it's not uh, Eliza or whatever her name is telling it, it's somebody else is watching and telling it. You don't have to be Humphrey Bogart or Ingrid Bergman to get that. 
story, right. right? So that's how that's how I gave myself a license to do this and carry on. And uh, I think what I tried to do was just always write with uh, respect and love. And if you take those, if you have that mindset, you can talk about anything. And, that's, uh, and that's so true. that's how I wrote the stories. I addressed everything that we, we ever talk about. And I just did it from the side of, you know, we care about these people. It's as if it happens to your sister or your best friend. And mm. you really care. So that's how I approach the story. Well, I think it definitely works. One thing I sort of coming off of that, uh, something I was moved by was Motor Girl, which was a 10-issue series. I bought it for Clay, I think, for Christmas a couple years ago. Oh, I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, I very much love that. that but she, she is a veteran who is dealing with like post-traumatic stress and is talking to this gorilla you know, like, but when you find out, like, I don't want to spoil it, but I mean, like, the history and where where that came from, it's, it's to me, it was heart-wrenching, but like, ah, oh, what a great, I love that series. Um, thank, thank you. Thank you, <laughs> thank you for giving it to me. Uh, that's Robin's favorite story. And that yes. is, again, a movie buff who loved uh, the Jimmy Stewart movie Harvey. You know, where yeah. a man who's had a breakdown and now has a best friend who's a six-foot rabbit. And we right. never see him in the movie, but Jimmy talks to him the whole movie. And Harvey is important. Jimmy's a changed man. The rabbit is important. And you have to deal with the rabbit if you're going to get to Jimmy. So there was a story there that I saw it as a kid and someone stayed with me. And then there you get mm-hmm. other, every comic strip had almost had an invisible friend, you know, the magical side to Snoopy, Calvin and Hobbes, Hobbes right. life. So you take those stories and you combine them with Hurt Locker. Boom, you have. Yeah. And, you know, I lived through the Vietnam War. So my friends went off and got drafted and came back mm-hmm. and they changed, you know. And I so I've watched every war since then. Desert Storm and all the other stuff. People go and some of them come back and they just they're changed because they've seen something that is not the way life should be and it's hard to to go on yeah. but motor girls is slightly different where she has all that going on plus the she can't accept losing something that she lost over there you know there was something very important lost over there she can't accept it the mission's not over until she can accept that so that's why she won't do what it takes to get rid of the problem until she can handle the consequences of this means I'm going to lose my last contact with that kid. Mm. So there's a, there's a deeper story there, you know, and what I really cared about there was not the dramatic symptoms and all that other stuff. What I cared about was how brick and brave she is. Absolutely. She went there did her job second of all uh, she won't stop doing it until um she feels like the mission is accomplished and it's not when she gets back and she's in the junkyard mission is not accomplished so all mm. this stuff is going on she's trying to deal with it it's like it's like trying to deal with a brain tumor or something and um, she hangs in there and fights like a like a marine and it's just, it was my way of like 
giving hugs to all those the, the, the vets that I meet at cons and stuff like that. There was one vet that wrote to me from, uh, he was in the initial Desert Storm and I was doing Strangers in Paradise. And he wrote me a fan letter and said, I'm reading Strangers in Paradise in um, um, that guy's mansion, Saddam Hussein. Hussein oh, was, they, Hussein. when they took over Hussein. He oh was, my God. He was in the group that was there and occupied mm-hmm. it. And uh, controlled it, and he wrote the head time down downtime, and he had his comic, and he had gotten from Germany, and wrote me a letter. So then, when he's discharged, he ends up in Chicago, and he comes to, to introduce himself at C2E2. And wow. so I saw him the first year he's back, and then I saw him every year after that. And the first year he was back, man, he was still like, I, I am ready for that half of the room to to blow up, you know. And then as the years, a couple of years went by, he relaxed, he got happy, he started getting into art and drawing, and he started being an art teacher. And oh, wow. That was so cool. So, <clears throat> and I watched this guy, you know, a, a year at a time. So I was thinking about him. He had a lot to do with me thinking about what it's like to come back and adjust. And then I saw Hurt Locker, and it just kind of like triggered all this. Mm. So there was a, that was, there, yeah, that was a long process to get that book made. I mean, it's it's incredible. I, not to, <laughs> I'm gonna take a bit of a left turn. I mean, that was very deep. One thing that I loved, and well, let's take me to my next question. So, Francine's grandmother, aunt, grandmother. I'm sorry, uh, Aunt Libby. Aunt Libby. Aunt, aunt. I'm sorry. Yeah, the old lady. The old lady. Yeah, the old lady in Motor Girl is is, yeah. and there were little sprinkles along the way that. Like little hints that these are all sort of all these characters are kind of living in the same world, but right. then it then it became the Terryverse, which yeah. I don't know if you can, I mean fans named it that I think, but that's like then you'd had Stranger Paradise twenty five, and then five years, all your characters coming together. D- did you always kind of intend for that, or is that something you just kind of thought, hey, this will be this will be fun, <laughs> or, right? Uh, you know, I kind of laid the groundwork in. I had a big cast in Stranger Paradise because the series ran a long time. When I started the second series, Echo, uh, I got about three-fourths of the way in, and I needed something, some big seismic event to happen in um, Alaska. Well, basically, I, I blew up Alaska. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Alaska. Now, uh, the story connected. had... <laughs> underground collider, a big 26-mile collider is in underground up there in the Alaskan uh, game reserve. Um, no, it's not supposed to be there, so it's a secret. And then there's a problem because uh, of my story. And it <laughs> creates this seismic event that ripples all the way down the West Coast. And I was trying to think of like, I need somebody on the ba- on their balcony in Malibu experiencing this thing coming down the pike. Uh, and I thought, well, instead of a stranger, you know what? Uh, I bet uh, my character, a couple of my characters from Stranger in Paradise, are there on a, on the deck enjoying the sunset, and why not use them? And it, the minute I thought of that, I realized it's because Echo is happening at the, at the same time period as Strangers in Paradise. It's all in the same America. And then every time I did a story after that, it's like, oh yeah, well this was just the same time period, the same a year later, it all. And I began putting, there's a couple of Strangers in Paradise characters in every single book I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And if somebody reads one of the other books first, and then somebody reads Strangers, they're going to see, oh my 
gosh, there, there they are. <laughs> you know, and they know him for another reason. The, re- the way I got that idea was because growing up in my teens and 20s, I read a lot of science fiction books. And my favorite was Robert Heinlein. And, mm. you know, he got about halfway through his career and decided that uh, Lazarus Long, his main character, was going to be the linchpin for all of his books. And he developed the Heinlein verse. It all mm. connected because Lazarus Long could go forward or backward. And so now everything connected. So it didn't matter whether it was Time Enough for Love or The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. It all fit in one timeline for him. And I thought, that's brilliant, you know. <laughs> I'm going to do that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it is brilliant. It, all, it really, because they all work. When I read it, uh, I was like, wow. I mean, yeah, it's seamless. It, just There's having another character. fear there. There's a writer's fear, oh. <laughs> to be honest. Um, my fear was that if you leave... If all of your you just write a bunch of miscellany, um, you're you know how do you, it was so hard for fans to attach to you if all your books are different, mm. none of your characters cross over. I like this book, I don't like that one. I like this one, I don't like. I've never even seen those other twelve. That kind of thing. Versus mm-hmm. if you do one long thing and get anybody likes anything in it, they've got to read it all. You know. Right. And, some the people who do miscellany are really rolling the dice with every book. So I really just kind of covered my bet. <laughs> I wanted to do every genre, but I try to make them connect. There's a golden thread. It's yeah, it's incredible. I mean, when you think about like something like Rachel Rising, like which I said is hard, like very hard driven. This woman literally rises from the dead. But relate that to Strangers of Paradise and Motor Girl, and and it's. So well done. And then, of course, that led to Serial. I should mention that as well, which is just like about a serial killer child, like, <laughs> which is a really fun read as well. I want but, to turn the genre upside down. I mean, if we go to the movies and watch a horror movie and say there's a killer in town, it's going to be that weirdo guy living out in the shed on the edge of town. <laughs> Absolutely. Or the guy from the psych ward and all that. And it's going to be a scary guy looking guy. So I think that's kind of tropey. I mean, if we really had a serial killer in town, we would immediately go to the shack outside of town and talk to Lucas, who (laughs) got out of the psych hospital two years ago and has a collection of hatchets, you know. So we would go talk to that guy. Um, But nobody would think to go talk to the 10-year-old girl in the Girl Scout group. What if it was the 10-year-old girl? (laughs) <laughs> the least likely subject in town uh, is that's that's what Agatha Christie would do, I think. And so I would rather take my writing character tips from somebody like Agatha Christie than of course. You know, somebody making nine versions of the same slasher movie. Yeah. You know, you know he's got a hockey mask. He's got a baseball <laughs> mask. <laughs> right. Clown mask. He has no, it's the little girl. She's standing right behind you. With a frying it's, pan and a and a box of saran wrap and your <laughs> I mean there's also something very creepy about little kids with that kind of they get that look on their face and like it's something very you know, you're like, oh my god. So you know, I've there's there's a side of me that's like a little avenger. Uh, like one of the things I, I try to make sure that I do is that the women in my comics if anybody ever gets, you know, they, they win. Right. So uh, if somebody's going to 
try to get beat up in the parking lot or something, my characters come on top, come out on top of that. So when it was the little girl, I was so tired of hearing about predators picking on kids that I wanted a kid that if a predator went after her, it's the, it was his last mistake. You know, <laughs> like a predator gets mm-hmm. onto the elevator with her. Mm-hmm. And what happens inside the elevator is like 10 seconds of the best gore movie you've ever seen. And the door is open and she walks out, you know, and he's the one who got it. You know, so that's my, it's, as far as I can tell, it's the only time on the planet it's ever happened. There's, I need to balance out all this shit. Yeah. Predators are like 100 to 1, and I've got, Zoe's got to balance it out. You know? <laughs> right. I would like for predators to think twice. If they've ever read one of my books, they would think twice about going after <laughs> one of or a kid nice. because yeah. I'm trying to show the women and the kids what she can do. Uh, you know, oh, just grab this. <laughs> And I will show you where to put it in my story. So that guy never gets up, you know. And there's actually a scene in uh, the new book, Parker Girls, where... Uh, I was getting there. I was getting there. Well, but in the last us. scene, the last book that came out, there was a, a guy who has a bodyguard. And bodyguard is, you know, not a nice guy. And he has slugged a Parker girl and thrown her into the pool She's down there unconscious, and they're going to let her just sit there on the bottom. Um, she wakes up, and she's got these stiletto heels. And she comes up out of the water like like somebody in the Swamp movie, you know. <laughs> and she puts the stiletto through the bouncer's foot and then sweeps his feet out from under him, climbs out, and uh, puts the heel that she's wearing. She's still wearing one shoe. Puts that heel through his ear, into his ear. And I don't know why nobody's ever done it before. I, these kind of things, <laughs> I have never seen them in a movie. And I'm thinking, I think I'm the first one to put a stiletto into a guy's ear. Um, and he had it coming, so I don't feel Right, bad. that's the main thing, right? That's... And the funny part is, is that, like, um, not only did it happen in that issue, but it's not finished. We finish it in the next issue. <laughs> There's more. It's stuck, and and it turns (laughs) out it's a five thousand dollar pair of Italian shoes. And Mm. she tells the boyfriend he's he owes her the money for it and all that. You can tell that I have this slant to me (laughs) that you may not find in a somebody who's writing the gentler side of like, oh God, let's just love everybody, let's hug it out. (laughs) I'm not a hug it out guy. (laughs) So there's an edge to the stories that um, makes them different. And I, I don't know if that's acceptable to everybody, but I, 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 I don't apologize for it. Yeah, I got no problem with that, uh, actually. Yeah, you I apologize. Think, I'm hoping that it keeps the you know, guy readers involved. Uh, if it was just people sitting around the couch, uh, every issue talking it out, uh, <laughs> no. I'd be a little boring. I wouldn't read that either. Yeah. <laughs> But I like it when I flip through my books and every page is different. So I hope that that appeals to the people today who need, you know, constant input. Yeah, I mean, there's so much out there. So I definitely look forward to every issue. I For anybody who's listening and maybe doesn't know, so um, Parker Girls is sort of spins out of Strangers in Paradise. It's sort of the espionage part of it, you know, where Kachu was involved 
as she was a Parker girl in her youth, sort of. And um, but these these women go around. It's like I don't know what to compare it to, but um, oh, I do. okay. <laughs> it came from uh, a very famous scandal in 1964, I think. Uh, it turned out that there was a Russian spy lady sleeping with one of the British House of Lords. Oh, okay. Getting all of his secrets in the bedroom. <laughs> and um, her name was Christine Keeler, and it was a very famous scandal. And turned out, you know, she wasn't the only one. So what a clever idea. You know, when during the Code War, everybody was spies, and that's where you get all the James Bond stuff. Right. Well, there was a female version, too. And they would infiltrate the lives of men and women and, and, and be your confidant and then just pass it right along to the Kremlin. So when I was doing Stranger Paradise, I, I kept saying Kachu had this really bad past that was haunting her. And I was thinking, okay, she went to L.A., and, and I, my approach on L.A. was it was the sleaziest spot on earth. There's Bangkok, and then L.A. is even worse. <laughs> um, so I was thinking about that, and I remembered this Elton John song. Again, it was my favorite song on the album because it focused on a girl. And it was called All the Young Girls Love Alice. It's on the second LP of Yellow Big Road. And it's a story about a 16-year-old girl who is being passed around all the women in town as a, as a plaything. So she is mm. a 16-year-old underage sex toy for women in town. All the young girls love Alice. And I thought that was going on in L.A. in the 60s and 70s a lot. And I thought, what if Kachu gets mixed up with one of those rings that sends these beautiful people out to rich clients in Homey Hills and Beverly Hills? And she's underage, and that means she costs more. Uh, That's mm -hmm. how that is. So this, this, this really happened, and it's why a lot of people are getting called out for it today. You were a customer. Right. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that was real. So that was the story. Uh, Darcy Parker was this rich lady who had mar married a billionaire, an old guy, and she let him die off, and she used the money, and she came from a crime family, and she started this ring of escorts and call guys, call girls. And then, because it was the mob stepped in and controlled the money, she began getting information. Go be, you know, the, the girlfriend of that person who we need control of for business reasons. And it escalated into, like, now this is how we do business. And she rose up through that empire. And all the Parker girls had this tattoo mm. that branded them as belonging to Darcy Parker. So they were everything from just pretty call girls who handed over information to people who could handle any kind of psycho there is out there and give it back. So that is yeah. a nasty side, you know, and, but I needed them to be nasty. You're only as strong as your worst enemy in these comic stories. Mm. So that was what was chasing Kachu and what she had to deal with in Strangers in Paradise. Yeah. Well, and it makes for great stories. Uh, these women sort of like, it's almost revenge for like what you were saying at the beginning about like they're always kind of and this is the story where the women are kind of coming back and, and getting these guys 
like the guy with the stiletto in his ear deserved it. And like, yeah, all so far, all the guys in Parker Girls deserve what they get. So yeah, and I just I made a point of just putting them in there. I had nice guy characters once in a while. No, it's absolutely. I'll think of one in a minute. <laughs> Uh, you know, obviously <laughs> no, David. There's, and, there's and, David. And stuff yeah, like and what's but the, the this character is my echo. way of like, you know, I don't, I don't cancel people. I put them in my book. <laughs> <laughs> That's a better way, right? Than yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, oh, I don't want to just ignore them anymore. I actually want to pin them to a wall and just like run buffalo at them. <laughs> Well, it, I think it's working. So we we should probably get to the reason. Our, you're doing a Kickstarter now. This is not your first one, right? Yeah, it is. It oh, it is. is. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you had done one before, but this uh-huh. is. No. Here we go. Are you are you nervous? Are you? <laughs> I am. I'm scared shitless. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> I, uh, you're I, a I, master, start... sir. You're, yeah, you should I, not be. I think. If I can do it, then you can do it. <laughs> right, right. I don't know. It's I've never done it, so it's brand new and it's an adventure. And but we have the the encouragement of our friends, you know, and we're having the help of a guy who's done a quite a lot of Kickstarters, Pat Shan, uh, who's another creator. And so yeah, I'm in good hands. Um, I've done everything I can. <laughs> I'll go so far as to say that um, n- not necessarily for Kickstarter, but uh, you know, you are loud, loudly held up as uh, someone that's really into creator rights, holding on to your books, and and mm. you you were Kickstarter before there was Kickstarter before there was any of it really in, in a way. <laughs> um, so just yeah, and like I, I I heard on another interview you were saying like kind of around the time you uh were starting strangers was you you noticed some other people like the image people kind of like starting their own thing and holding on to their own thing and the, and you're in you're in the music business or you're in a band or something then and decided to turn it into comics so i'm in the music business so that's why i wanted <laughs> to bring that up hmm. It's definitely, oh, there it is. There's your guitar and amp right back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've had a drawing board and a guitar my whole life. Amazing. There's definitely similarities, yeah, as far as holding on to the rights to your thing. And I know you you sort of came up with, like, Dave Sim and Jeff uh, Jeff Smith and those guys. And there's a famous story. I don't know if you know, we had Gary Wolf on, who was the creative Roger Rabbit. And I don't know if you know, he's... One of the only people who's worked with Disney who was allowed to keep the rights to his to Roger Rabbit. So he can keep writing Roger Rabbit books. But apparently Jeff Smith went in. They invited him into Disney to work out a deal with him. And he said, well, I want to retain the rights I, like Gary Wolf. And they said, no, no, thanks. So, I mean, he's, he no gets to do it, but he didn't work at Disney. But, yeah, I mean, uh, it's pretty incredible. But here you are. Yeah. So. Coming off of that with the Kickstarter, you can basically do whatever you want, but the rewards are uh, an art book called After Dark. And I know they're not all naughty, but uh, is it sort of some naughty drawings of yours, of your characters? And, you know, some just hairy guys in the gym shop. No, no. (laughs) Batman's butt is probably not in there. I don't know. (laughs) Right. Uh, I've actually I have drawn Batman's butt for the internet and it is extremely (laughs) hairy. I don't know how (laughs) um, yeah it's 
it's a book of pinups and all that. You know, I'm I'm pinup centric, and I loved uh, Gil Elgren and Jeffrey Jones, and you know, I just, I I love the art side of it. Mm. And my I don't do raunchy. What I do is a situation that you're happily walking into. Uh, <laughs> your dreams just came true. And But she's in control. So I'll show yeah. you. Like, I have this on the scanner. <laughs> oh, this is exciting. Fresh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, this was on your... I, did this, I showed yeah. a pencil of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a and, difficult pose, too. I watched your uh, Sunday studio. That's yeah. amazing. I did the yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. I it and did it's, so, oh, it's so nice good. so beautiful so, yeah i mean that is you are i wouldn't mind walking into that in the bedroom. yeah you're fortunate yeah. to walk into that we should be so lucky uh yeah, I mean, also, I you have... challenged yourself with that drawing which was very cool uh it's like very cool <laughs> oh, to you see your process it. yeah very cool yeah. i loved it see um this is what ocd will get you is just <laughs> i wouldn't let it go I was drawn a pose that really wasn't going well and I just wouldn't let it go and I refused to go spend five hours trying to find a photograph of that I just thought I shouldn't I know what I'm drawing I should be able to figure this out and then next thing you know I I got that so it was a fight (laughs) but worth it in the end yeah I hope so yeah I mean I've had uh, I have several of your sketchbooks I've you know if you go to cons and stuff you can and i you know you, you usually have a sketchbook each year yeah. and um so i'm assuming this is kind of more more things like that i'm very excited yeah, but focusing on uh you know the more the pinup side and there's also right. going to be uh are some poetry in there which are big, all of my poetry is really just song lyrics <laughs> oh I, there you go there's me there were i took the lyrics from songs that i wrote and then there's a commentary, you know, like here's the pencil and here's the ink and here's, you know, a quick little side note about it. You know, it's not a how to draw or anything like that. It's just kind of, you know, to 120 pages of my best drawings of beauty. Yeah, well, it, you do have how to draw books as well. I guess we should point out that's also a series that yeah. you did. And one of them is called How to Draw Beautiful. And there's also How to yep. Draw Women, How to Draw Funny. Like we said, you don't take a break. So you just get it's it's amazing. But mm-hmm. okay, so but for the Kickstarter, I think do you know there's like a, a, a hardcover uh reward and soft cover and uh, are there other reward tiers that people can get for donating or what do you have in mind? The main one is soft cover, of course, and uh, a digital version. You know, so you can get the print and the digital. And then there's going to be a hardcover, and that has a different cover image. And then uh, there's an exclusive hardcover uh, that has another image. And those three book covers actually show a progression in the evening uh, with Kachin. And um, if we make our print goal, the printing bill is 20 something thousand dollars. So the, the goal for this is 29000 if we make it, then Robin and Pat are going to start unlocking the stretch goals, and they're bloody wow. cool. And I don't have permission to talk about them because no, no. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, cool. no worries. February first, gives... right? Yeah, yeah. surprise on that. So 
Mm. Well, it's all the more incentive for people to donate to get to those stretch goals. But yeah, you did the right thing. You always want to ask for more than you need because Kickstarter takes a, a little chunk out. That's so right. You, they get that. They get yeah. that. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah. Okay, I don't, it's, printing is so expensive now. Oh. And we, you know, yeah. we're printing three versions and, um, but man, it takes a long time to get a book printed now. And the paper's really expensive, as if they're having to go get all of the lumber from Mars or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, but yeah, you have been doing this for all these years. And yeah, it's like still, like you said, putting out books consistently yourself. I personally get Parker Grills delivered, and I'm pretty sure like Robin is putting it in the, like, you know, like... I had to ask you, you know, a question. I, I sent a question about because like an issue didn't come in the mail or something, and Robin was the one who writes to me. You know, this isn't like you have this vast operation here. This is yeah, it's you guys. It's just <laughs> right, it's just Robin and me and Mike uh, at the warehouse, and and these are the same people you would you would meet all three of us if you came to us our booth table at a con. Oh yes, I, I've done that. Yeah. So well. yeah, it's always very great. Cool. Always great. It's, it's very handsome. But, I mean, our, my whole career has trained me for Kickstarter. We know how to make a book and get it out. Yeah, exactly. Time. I'm very excited. Yeah, it's February 1st, uh, which is in a yeah. few days from now, Like where we're, as we record this. Do you know how long it is? Is it uh, All of February. It, it is okay. like March 3rd uh, at right. some time during the day. Oh, I mean, it gives you a uh, full month out of that short February month. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. It's funny, my sister's birthday is the 2nd of February, so that's Groundhog Day, so I just wrote her another Groundhog Day-related joke in her <laughs> birthday card. But my mom's name was Robin with a Y, too. So That's right. <laughs> I was like, yeah. look at that, that today, and like watching your uh, your Sunday Studio series, which is uh, great. Love love the YouTube channel. That's That's been so fun. That's right. We should hype that up too. I once got a free sketch. I don't want to brag, but uh, there was like a trivia question of what you were drawing that day, and I happened to answer it. And I so I got a, a nice sketch of Julie from Echo. I'm so happy I have it framed. It's Good. very exciting. A one of a kind, Ooh, you know, nice. sketch of one of a kind Terry Moore. So um, that'll be five dollars, please. Oh, sure. I can. I can send it <laughs> right now. I know. I feel like I've just been taking and taking from you. Like, <laughs> I so, give and I give. And you I give, give and give, and I, I don't give anything back. So. He's a hero for women and comics creators. And this is how you treat him. Oh. Nerds like me. Well, this is. I'll try to get back a little bit by hyping up this Kickstarter for you. So everybody who's listening or, or likes women and comics and an a, a artist who does his own stuff, like all anyone should donate because you're supporting the arts, you're supporting Terry, and you're getting a pretty cool book. It sounds like out of it, you know. So <laughs> you saw one of the pages. So. We don't want to keep you too long. I thank you so much for coming on again. This is like a dream for me. I've always wanted to have Terry Moore on our show. Uh, so thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to say before we sign off here, or? or? Uh, no, uh, okay. I'm really grateful for my career. I'm grateful for this chance at Kickstarter. And I'm really grateful to all the people that have supported us over the years and continue to 
let me uh, do what I love to do, which is draw comics and stories and tell stories. So thank you for my career. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thank on behalf you. of all your fans everywhere, I, I yeah, thank you. You were you're one of a kind. So thanks for the invite. Thanks for having me on. I had nice guy characters once in a while. No, it's absolutely. I'll think of one in a minute.